This is JCU Conversations, a podcast show from James Cook University, Singapore. Tune in as we ask experts in the industry more about their lives and their approach to success. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's listen to today's episode. Hi, I'm Associate Professor Jacob Wood, Associate Dean of Research for James Cook University, Singapore. This is JCU Conversations, a podcast show from James Cook University, Singapore, where we ask experts in the industry more about their lives and their approach to success. Our guest today is Benjamin Chua, founder and chief executive officer of SPACO, an environment protection company that keeps the world safe from viruses, bacteria, and other types of invisible dangers. Welcome, Benjamin. It's fantastic to have you here today. Thank you, Prof. It's a privilege to be here as well. So I'm just curious if you could tell us a little bit more about what SPACO does and mm. you know why you got interested in all of this kind of stuff. Mm. I, I started SPECO about six years ago. Uh, this was in the year 2017. Um, I received a call from my friend, actually. Uh, it was a um, random day, just like any other day. So my friend called me, he said, Ben, uh, there are some workers that are out of a job. And these were mature workers that got retrenched from the hospitality sector. So at that point of time, I, I didn't jump into this thinking that it's going to be a business. It was more from the angle of, let's, let's help them. Let's help them find some jobs. Let's help them get back to the workforce. Yeah. And so I asked them, so what are their skills, right? Mm. So what can they do? Mm. They said that since they were mostly hospitality workers, mm. um, they could clean up. They could do cleaning, housekeeping and whatnot. So in 2017, Airbnb was growing here in Singapore, okay. right? So that point of time, I, I went on Airbnb, uh, went back home, went on Airbnb, uh, messaged a few of these operators, those people that listed on, on Airbnb, and just asked them, hey, do you guys need cleaning? Mm. Overnight, 30 people responded. That so that was the start. So from there, uh, I didn't think of making money out of this. And essentially, we just job matched them yeah. uh, to, to, to serve at those Airbnb. Mm -hmm. Then a thought process came to my mind and said, why not let's make it more productive as well? Aside mm. from Airbnb, uh, let's also do the commercial buildings around. Yeah. So within six months, uh, we grew from three properties to 50 properties. God. There was a demand uh, for cleaning services, yeah. and we're talking about 2017. Yeah. But within the first year of uh, running this business, a um, couple of things came to mind. Yeah. Because I wanted to extend the social impact for the business as well. We started off hiring um, the mature retrenched workers. Then we started including ex-offenders, uh, persons with uh, mental health issues, yeah. uh, persons with disabilities, single parents. We started outreaching to this as well as part yeah. of the workforce. And I noticed certain things. Number one, wages were really low for cleaners back then in 2017. They were all doing around $600 to $800 per month. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. So this was the situation that uh, yeah. we, we dealt with. And this was before the entire progressive wage model in Singapore kicked in as well. Mm. Uh, what were their living standards like? They were mostly staying in rental flats all across uh, Chinatown, Jalan Besar, these areas. Uh, they had family sizes of uh, six to nine people staying in a one-room flat, gosh. surviving on six to eight hundred dollars. And my, my expression was exactly like yours. Yeah. My gosh, how could mm. this happen here mm. in Singapore? So the point here was that how can we then uplift them yeah. out, of this, out, of this, uh, out of this stage? Mm. So um, we, we spoke to Enterprise Singapore, we spoke to the, the government agencies, and uh, we went to R&D mode. From there, we raised a uh, seed capital, we raised a uh, seed funding and went to R&D mode. Mm. 
Uh, there were two pain points that I wanted to solve back then uh, from the commercial angle. Number one was that I saw a number of my workers, these were elderly workers in their 60s, mm. they did not have fingerprints. Wow. Curious, right? Yeah. So we, we always had this running joke in the company to say that, haha, you can't go to Johor Bahru because you got no fingerprints. You can't get past customs. Yeah. But it was a problem deeper than that because we realized that this no fingerprint issue was largely because of them using harsh toxic chemicals uh, all their lives uh, to do cleaning that burnt off their fingers, that, right. that caused this kind of damage. Mm. So when I spoke to my head scientist, when he joined me in 2017, I told him that the first thing that us at Speckle, we have to do when we create something of our own, it needs to be safe for humans, it needs to be safe for the environment. Mm. So that was pain point number one. Mm. Pain point number two was that since I was a cleaning business, I looked at my warehouse, right? We were doing 50 properties and I saw the amount of chemicals that we were using on a daily basis. So the thought process came to mind on, in terms of saving money, right? Every business. Can we use less and do more? Mm. Right now, it's called sustainability. Yes. But six years ago, it, it wasn't termed as such. Right. So the idea there was that, can we use less and do more? Can we extend the lifespan of a disinfectant or cleaning agent that make it last longer mm. on surfaces, that make it last longer whatsoever? Mm. So based on these two pain points, we invented Speckle which is short for Special Coating. Yeah, so that's the genesis story of how we got started. That's a wonderful story. Mm. I've got to ask you, just uh, like coming off that fantastic mm. description, what was it like hiring people, you know, elderly people, mm. people that, you know, you said ex-cons, people that had been, you know, mm. in prison. Yeah. What was that like? How did that work out? Do you mm. have any stories around that? Tons. I could go hours for that. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I just share a couple uh, right here as well. Uh, maybe just for context, I, I started my career in the civil service. I was a public servant mm -hmm. uh, quite a number of years before I jumped into setting up my own business. Mm. Um, when I started this business and when I was involved in running this business, my eyes opened as well. Mm. I saw parts of Singapore that I've never seen before. Mm. I grew up in a largely middle-income family. Mm. I'm not uh, in the... My parents are not wealthy, yep. uh, neither am I from a marginalised group. I mm -hmm. come from a fairly fairly average, fairly middle-income family. Yeah. So these were parts of Singapore that we were not exposed to. Mm. We did not know that, hey, there are so many people staying in rental flats and what's their, what their living standards back then? Mm. So it was an eye-opener. Uh, and one, one lesson that maybe I can share that I've learned over these six years when dealing with uh, different groups, different communities mm. as well, is that while our intentions may be good, the way to deal with it, it's all very different. Yeah. Dealing with an ex-offender, it's very different from dealing with a person with intellectual disability. Mm. And even when you talk about persons with intellectual disability, there's an entire spectrum of it, right? From autism all the way to Down syndrome. So what we, how we survive till this day, it is largely thanks to the social support system here in Singapore. The good social workers, the job therapists, the counsellors, the job coaches, without them, without our players from NCSS, without our players from uh, Ministry of Social and Family Development, without the charities coming in to help us to learn and to engage and how to encourage us at times on how to run this business, I don't think we will have survived. Mm. Mm. Now, it's wonderful that you had the support from the government mm. sector as well. Mm. 
I think they play a, a key role, as you say, in supporting some of the, the more challenging staff mm. that you'd be hiring. But I'm curious, I was just looking, you know, mm. when I was having a, 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 a gander at this sheet, just the way in which you spell environment. Mm. And, I, and I was joking off camera before about the fact that it was that a typo. Mm. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't aware of it. And they said, no, no, this is legitimately mm. spelled with an I. Yeah. So I'm just curious as to, you know, why you chose mm. to, to spell it in that way. Because okay. I just thought you were a bad speller like me. <laughs> That's a, that's a very good question. And yeah. in fact, that became a conversational starter yeah. for many of my conversations. Yeah. So when, when we decided on um, the category that we wanted to play in, mm. uh, over the past few years, ever since uh, Speco became more of an um, antiviral coating, the self-cleaning coating, we were the ones mm. that invented this technology for mm. use at the airports, mm. for use at schools, HDB town councils, as well as some of the banks. Mm. Uh, we were the ones that invented this technology and it was tested effective against COVID as well. Wow. So that was when we scaled, 2020 mm. onwards, uh, mm. that, that actually took place. Mm. Before that, uh, we were largely doing in terms of childcare centres and nursing homes because these were the two main uh, vulnerable groups, mm. the youngest and the elderly mm. that we want to take care of. So why environment, right? Mm. Uh, we reviewed our entire portfolio of all the banks, all the airports, all the buildings that we've done. Yeah. So at first, we wanted to categorize ourselves as environmental protection. But it doesn't seem to fit in very nicely because the moment you think of environment protection, people may think that we are tree huggers, right? We are right. there to, to save the trees, to save the earth and whatnot. So Environment stands for indoor environment. Anything to do with your office buildings, your, your houses, your indoor complex and whatnot. We actually have simplified this term further down the road because uh, this year, one of our strategic moves was to break into the C market, the consumer markets, mm. right? We were primarily a B2B player. Mm. This year, we realized that with new products out there, uh, the price point is uh, suitable for a consumer. So of course, if we go out there to the consumers and tell them that we are environmental protection, huh, what's this all about? I'll have a lot more questions coming back. So we, we did change this for the consumer market. Uh, we call ourselves a smart hygiene company. So essentially, everything that we do has to be smart. All the technologies that we use is made smart. It's made simple. So it's, you know, our company, our, our technology is actually very complex. You talk about chemistry, you talk about all this that's involved in, in, in microbiology. Uh, it's very complex I've technology. got some questions about that yes, coming up. So, sure. Yeah. So what we wanted to do is to make things simple to understand, yeah. right? So that consumers will say, hey, okay, what Speco is about, how can I use it? And it's simple application. And the third one is that it has to be safe. So mm. safety is the basic mantra and the basic mandate of our R&D as well. Mm. So these three words, smart, simple, safe, that's where mm. we are going for. Yeah, I think a good mantra to, to abide by. So I'm just curious, as I just alluded to there, mm. I want to know about the development of the technologies themselves. Yep. I mean, mm. we were working with universities. Yep. How did that work? Because I, I, I would imagine it's quite mm. a complex process and you had to do a lot of trial mm. and error yep. to get things right. So mm. could you explain a little bit about that? Thank goodness for us was that we started R&D in 2017. Yeah, so we, it took us about two and a half years before our technology had some level of, could see the light mm -hmm. at the end of the tunnel. So for that, for that three years between 2017 and 2019, uh, we were essentially a very traditional business doing cleaning business. The moment 2019 hit, early of 2019, this was pre-COVID, uh, we, we started seeing some uh, development in terms of the R&D component for our antiviral coating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the pain point was as what I shared, to, to save chemicals and for it to be safe for people to use, right? So that was the basis of it. Um, how it works, 
right? Let's drive down into that. Essentially, it acts as a binding mechanism. So you can take any chemicals uh, and we added a binding agent to it for it to be able to last on surfaces for a long period of time. Yeah. So it's able to do that self-cleaning uh, effect into it. Uh, so what happened was that ever since that technology was made available, uh, in 2020, we were actually awarded Singapore's IP of the year, Intellectual right? Property of the Year. Yeah. yeah, so this award was given to us by the Intellectual Property of Singapore. Mm. But since then, um, I've always asked myself and I've always asked my team, we are not a one-hit wonder. Neither can we afford to be a one-hit wonder, right? And, and of course, we are always thinking about what's going to happen to us post-COVID, which is right now. Mm. We had a lot of conversations about our post-COVID play as well. Uh, we invented new technologies and this year, I'm really proud to announce that our ambient sanitization uh, invention mm. is representing Singapore on a global IP award level, which is held in Geneva, Switzerland this wow. year in July. So hopefully we have some level of traction there as well yeah. and it's for us to really fly the Singapore flag high as well yeah. that says that Singapore can be a global IP hub, mm. Singapore can have good green technologies mm. coming out from this little red dot mm. that's going out there into the rest of the world as well. And that's why I'm excited about. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, and when you were developing this, was this mm. in-house or were you working in collaboration with like NTU, mm. NUS, places like that? or? When, when we first started, um, quite interestingly was that I sometimes these kind of things is really by fate. Yeah. So just a, just a story to share here. Yeah. How I met my chief scientist. Okay. Maybe that, that will be a yeah, nice, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that will be a nice yeah, angle yeah. for this. So um, I actually met my chief scientist through church. Oh. He is a very staunch, very religious person. Mm. 30 over years experience mm. uh, in chemicals, material science. Mm. He's a material scientist, chemist by nature, uh, focusing on polymers, mm. to, to be exact. So when I met him, uh, he was retired. This was in 2017. So um, I met up with him and he said, Hey Ben, what are you doing? So I told him, hey, I'm running this social enterprise. And, and what? So I told him about the, the kind of business that I want to go into and what kind of business that the company can be. So I had coffee with him at Capital Country Club, now defunct, right? So he, after a round of golf, he sat me down and said, okay, where do you want to take the business to? I said that I see a lot of potential in this space, mm. why I want to uplift people as well in the meantime. And he looked at me and said that, I think I can help you. I think I can help you. Do you think my, my experience in chemistry can actually assist you? Mm. So we had this conversation and there was no such product in the market nowhere to, to coat all mm. these surfaces. But there were things like antibacterial technology for mm. fabric. Yeah. Things like your mask, mm. things like your socks, yeah. your underwear. Mm -hmm. So how to make such fabric not smell, mm. right? So these technologies are really available. Mm. And he actually specialized in those areas. Mm. So the question that I asked him was that, can this technology be repurposed or can this technology be enhanced for the built environment? Mm. Yeah, so he said, I think we have a we have a problem solution statement, a problem statement that we can solve. Mm. Uh, let's, let's look into it. Let me bring together a team of scientists, but who's going to pay for it, mm. right? So I, I went to door knock, right, to the government and say, hey, look, I think this is where the business is going. Mm -hmm. uh, we need X amount of dollars. Mm. Uh, do you think there can be certain level of grants that could be dispersed to us? Oh. Very thankfully, uh, the Singapore government is really, really supportive of uh, startup culture, oh. really supportive of innovation, in 2017, that was the whole PIC uh, play right there, right? And you talk about industry transformation, how to be the spear tip of uh, such innovations. Mm -hmm. So we managed to raise a grant from there to start 
to start work. Mm. So that was the story of how I met my chief scientist, yeah. how the how the R and D process got kick started. Mm. Oh, interesting. And you talk about uh, COVID nineteen as well. Mm. I guess for you, that was maybe a catalyst for growth. You know, many people are looking at COVID nineteen. Oh, mm. doom and gloom. Really, mm. a lot of retrenchment. Mm. Tourism sector really badly affected. But for someone mm. like you, mm. would have been, I think, mm. just. So yeah, as, a, as a for, for us, even in, uh, I just share with you another story. When um, I, I still remember that uh, for 2019, I was trying to scale Speco as well. And I remember writing on my LinkedIn in September 2019. This was four months before COVID happened, right? In January 2020. Mm. Four months before that, I said, I think Speco can become really big if people can realize the value of durability, sustainability, and, and whatnot. So the value propositions that I've shared. Mm. I think this can be a next big thing. Mm. I've been pitching to childcare. We got some traction there. Mm. And we got some traction here and there. Of course, we had some skepticism, right? Mm. How can a Singapore startup invent such a technology? Mm. How can a social enterprise invent such a technology? Because mm. the moment we go out there and say that, hey, look, Speco is a social enterprise, mm. Generally, people's impression towards social enterprises are cottage industries, right? Mm. Handicrafts, F&B, mm. whatnot. But a technology company, a chemical technology company, mm. wow, people mm. were like, sure not, yeah. right? Yeah. So we had some of these obstacles that came into place, but we were pitching. I was hustling day in and day out all the way. And I remember lying in bed mm. uh, the day after Chinese New Year mm. on 2020. So this was a day right after Chinese New Year. Turn on CNA. Uh, morning about 7 a.m. and they say that there was a case that flew in from China to Singapore. I was like, huh, seems that we may be onto something here. Mm. Uh, I do not know whether my product was effective against COVID. Yeah. Call up my scientists and say, hey, do you think this technology is ready, targeted towards the COVID virus? Mm. So they said, yeah, it seems to have the same structure as mm. a regular flu virus. It's an enveloped virus. It seems to have the same thing we can test the hypothesis. Mm. So we went back, reformulated as well. Then uh, we started door knocking as well. So the f interesting thing was that one of my first few clients, because of based on whoever I pitched to, was actually Salita Airport. I received a call from them at 1 a.m. Mm. At 1 a.m. on a Sunday evening. Mm. He said, Ben, we are flying in uh, someone, uh, someone important. Can you clean this place up and can you apply your coating? I heard that this is, this is something new and I think this can support us. I went down myself. 1 a.m. I received a call. Yeah. 2 a.m. I was at Salita Airport yeah. together with my team. We were all in PPE. Yeah. At that time, we were, like, we were quite scared, right? <laughs> this, was, yeah. this was the first thing where yeah. COVID was all, uh, sure. yeah, it was, was, was a very unknown thing. Mm -hmm. We went down, we did the job, reported. 5 a.m. we were done within three hours. The entire Salita Airport. Wow. Went back, I took a nap. 8 a.m. I received a call. Changi Airport called me. He said, Ben, I heard that the general manager from Salita has good words to say about you. Can wow. you help out Changi Airport? Of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course, right? So that was how we started. Yeah. And then slowly we, we scaled from there as well. It's almost like a dream beginning, you know, and it mm. shows the value in, in, in having a good product, but also putting in the effort to do a great job as well. The, the marketing and the hustling has to come months before that. Yeah. I mean, uh, sure, COVID was a tailwind for us. Mm. It, it helped us to scale to the next level as well, building a war chest for mm. future R&D growth mm. as well. Uh, over the past three years, we reinvested quite a lot of our capital and our war chest yeah. back into developing uh, future pipelines of R&D as well. So yeah. we, we have continued reinvesting with it. 
Uh, we have continued in the sustainable track as well, uh, keeping our R&D mandate. Uh, we got B Corp accredited as well. So this was a big win for us, like uh, for us talking about environment, sustainability, being safe. Um, one level of international accreditation mm. will definitely be a B Corp, right? Mm. So, so we got that in 2020 as well. Mm. And that helped us to grow our Fortune 500 uh, companies, portfolio companies, as well as listed companies as well. Mm. And, and you know, how in terms of marketing, take it another step further, mm. are you doing television, radio, I mean, or is it just a business to business, is it mm. a snowball sort of thing? I'm just interested to know how you, you manage that side of yeah. your operations. For, for context, maybe let me just put in a context. Uh, when we started, I started a business with $1,000. So it's, it's not coming in with uh, entire marketing budget or you know, I can, yeah. I can run billboards. We started small. Right now, we are still doing things the way a startup is supposed to be done, mm. right? So, so we are making sure that there's a lot of A-B testing. We are doing things that dream big, start small. You know, that whole ideology mm. of startup. We are still, uh, we still believe in that mantra because mm. it worked for us. We know how to do it probably a bit mm. better right now. Got a bit more uh, battle scars to say. Yeah. So all these are uh, experience that we have gained over the years uh, mm. to be able to scale up as well. Mm. And especially when relating to the post-COVID play as well, mm -hmm. uh, we started looking at uh, investing in technologies for post-COVID mm -hmm. since 2021. Mm. This was the time where Delta just came, Delta, the Delta variant mm. just came on to our shores. Yeah. Everybody was still masked up. And at that point of time, we were the only ones that were saying that, have you thought about life beyond COVID? Uh. And people were looking at us and say, huh? I, are you sure we are all still masked up and whatnot? Yeah. But I said, just think about it. Mm. Just think about it. And we started having conversations. And the best part was that when I had these conversations with my customers, you could tell that these conversations actually brought smiles to their face. You know, it was more like a hopeful conversation uh, to see the light at the end of the tunnel conversation. It was a, it was a conversation of aspiration, hope. Mm -hmm. You get that warm, fuzzy feeling at the end of the day. And at that point of time, we were also able to relook at our entire business and see should we, where should we put our next dollar for investment? Yeah. It allows us to reconceptualize and go back to the drawing board to yeah. rethink that if everybody else pivoted during COVID to survive, should we be the ones to pivot when COVID is over? Mm. So that was the question that I asked my team. Yeah, good mm. question to ask too. Yes. <laughs> so I'm just mindful of the time. We're mm. really uh, I'm enjoying this conversation. Mm. But I've got a couple of questions I just want to finish with. And, and I'm just struck by uh, just so, so much of what you've said. I'm just wondering for the people that are out there listening, mm. maybe potentially wanting to be an entrepreneur like mm. yourself, mm. Just, just a couple of things that you could sort of just tell them that mm. they would go away and they could work on as, mm. uh, as an up-and-coming entrepreneur. Mm. Mm. Is there anything that you could sort of yeah. mention I've, to them? I've always had a couple of uh, elements that I wanted to touch on. Um, first, as a philosophy of uh, founder myself, right? The first thing is that I believe that uh, you can do good and do well. I think this has, uh, this has been exemplified by the way we did our business for the past six years. Yeah. We started off with good intentions. It wasn't a business to start off with. We didn't come into this industry trying to make millions. We wanted to do good, mm -hmm. right? But we ended up 
integrating all these components and this became the backbone and the culture and the DNA of the business. Mm. And that helped us succeed to a certain point. Why? Because of retention, because of talent attraction, because of the way our partners are being drawn to us as well. They say, this company is a good company to work with. They believe in certain mm. things. They have values, they have ethos. Mm. So this is a component that we started building our reputation for. Yeah. So I think the ethos and the business values of the founder is very important, yeah. especially for first-time founders, startups. Yeah. You need to be able to narrate this. Mm -hmm. The second point that I may want to make is that you have to dream big and start small. This is something that I've always spoke to my team as well. I have a full product innovation team right now as well. And these are people that will always bring me new products and say, Ben, I think this is going to be the next big thing. Pitch, pitch to me, right? So yeah. it's like a shark, internal shark yeah, tank. Yeah. So the question that I always ask them is that, okay, how do you scale it? Where do you see this going? So right now, what resources do we have? What's our runway like? So always we are like, we have many little entrepreneurs mm. intra, in, inter-company inter entrepreneurs mm. uh, to be able to run certain places as well. Yeah. And this keeps us on our toes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And good to have those kinds of people on board yeah. in your team. I've got last question. Please. And uh, you, you are, you're a young and up-and-coming entrepreneur, so going back to the age of 21 may not be that long ago. <laughs> but, that's, uh, that's almost 15 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're looking good. You, yeah, you are looking you. good. So if you were to go back to, to that time mm. and... Uh, look at yourself, what advice, knowing what you know now, mm. what advice would you give yourself, young 21, mm. Benjamin? Whatever problems you have today, it doesn't matter 10 years down the road. Yeah, yeah. I think that is the most uh, valuable advice that I'll give myself because yeah. every time I look back and I realize that, and I, and I reflect over certain decisions that I have to make of the day, and at that point of time, it just feels so overwhelming. Right? Five years later, I look back at it and say that, why is this taking up so much rent in my head mm. all this while? It, it is a small matter. Mm. I have bigger fish to fry right now. Right. So I would, I would, this is something that I'll probably relate back to myself and say that, yeah, your problems of today, nah, it's not too big after yep. all. Yep. And I think that's a good way to finish. Thanks, Benjamin. It's been a pleasure meeting you. My pleasure as well. Thank yes. you very much. Thank Happy you. to be here. Yep. Thank you.